You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. It's tech fan number 84. My name is Tim Robertson. My name is David Cohn. Are you sure it's 84? You normally get that wrong. Yeah, I checked this time. <laughs> I literally went to our website and looked. <laughs> it's uh, two days after the 4th of July here in the United States, and... Uh, I, you know, I don't. I think I probably said stuff on the podcast before. On you one know, of the podcasts, the fireworks. Uh, you know, I used to like them, but the problem is, you get a lot of people that's lighting them off all night long. And if it was truly in celebration of American independence, I would be all for it. But unfortunately, uh-huh. it's not. It's just a bunch of knuckle draggers. Who gets their kicks out of something that goes boom? Oh, I get to play with fire. <laughs> it went boom. <laughs> Do it again, George. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe, um, maybe I'm also getting cynical as I grow older. But you know, I kind of at the stage now where I'm, I think, well, you've seen one firework display. You really have seen them all. Pretty much. You know, there's like, oh, it goes up. Oh, it blows up in pretty different colors. Oh, some of them are big some of them are small some of them look like clouds but you know until until somebody can come up with a firework that actually makes shapes in the sky you know so there's more artistry to it than literally just firing it off and seeing it go it you know that it doesn't it doesn't really appeal and and that's an organized display yeah the, the idea of just setting off a firework watching it go up and then setting off another one and then another one it's just like why do people unless you're six or seven why do people enjoy that yeah you know for the kids i understand it's fun to watch the big fireworks displays but i'm with you the innovation in the fireworks industry i think kind of probably capped off around 1901 and uh it's pretty much the same thing over and over and of course what's yeah i don't know if you've seen some of the videos floating around the internet but what's happened now is that technology has made fireworks worse rather than better there was the uh san diego san diego San Diego debacle this week where <laughs> basically firework displays now are all computer controlled and it looks like the computer had a blue screen of death because basically it set off a 15 minute display in 30 seconds just fired the whole lot off in one go actually that might uh, be cool I, I might well, like that well, one better I, I saw the headline I thought oh that well I want to see that but actually it was kind of disappointing because it was just a big ball of fire you know that still it's might kind be of like cooler. Yeah, it's kind of like when you hear of a fire in a fireworks factory, you're like, show me video. That must be really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm just – this year was the first year that illegal fireworks were actually legal now in Michigan. Um, Anything that would make a loud rapport or would go up in the air was illegal in Michigan. So you'd always get these people running down to Indiana. And when I was in my early 20s, I did the same thing. You'd make a run down to Indiana, which is only a 40-minute drive, to get all the illegal fireworks you could, and then you'd have your own little thing going on. So I get the appeal. But at 42, I'm, I'm tired. I want to sleep at night. And the idiots who... And if it was just one night that they did this, that's okay, fine. Yeah. I, I'll give you your one tard night, and, and that's I'm, I can live with that. But it's not. It's the week leading up, and it's the week after. And I'm just so sick of it. Now, my hope is, before, when it was illegal, there was that sense of, we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing. We had to go all the way to Indiana to get these. 
now that they're legal and you can buy them in Michigan on any street corner almost, I think some of the appeal of it being illegal is gone. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm afraid to say, I tell you from experience, it's not going to make a blind bit of difference. Yeah, that's, that's had, my fear. See, obviously we don't have Independence Day here, because why would we celebrate you guys breaking away from the mothership? <laughs> but um, we do have uh, Guy Fawkes Night, which is November 5th, which is kind of our fireworks equivalent. And when I was growing up, that was the only day of the year you heard or saw fireworks. And so it was a big deal. Um but since the, uh, I guess it was probably the millennium when this started, you know, because fireworks became available from November 5th that year in 2000 all the way to the, uh, sorry, 99, all the way to the uh, New Year's Eve because people were going to set them off on, on the uh, turn of the millennium. And um, it's been like that ever since. And so now what happens is, is kind of in the few weeks leading up to November 5th, these fireworks shots spring up out of nowhere. They basically set up in empty spaces, um, always kind of look a little bit ropey and dodgy. A lot of them are run by Chinese people, and I think um, they're importing directly from China. And that does introduce this frisson of, ooh, these are Chinese fireworks, these will be really good. And they're not, they're just the same as everything else. Yes. Um, but basically what happens is the fireworks become available from that time all the way through to New, to new Year and slightly after. And you will get, and I mean, bearing in mind that, that fireworks have never been illegal in this in in this country, they've always been um, perfectly legal to buy for anyone over sixteen. You now have a situation where uh, people just start buying them and they're just setting them off randomly every night between uh, kind of late October through till early January, and uh, some nights it is incredibly, incredibly annoying. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, so unfortunately, I, I, I don't think the, the higher availability, what it's going to do is, is allow the people who get a kick off out of lighting fireworks to do it more easily. Yeah. And, and you know, it's always in the, the neighborhoods. It's never in the rich neighborhoods. Let me put it that way. You never see no. a bunch of people standing around their yards, lighting off firecrackers in rich neighborhoods. It's always the the middle class and especially the poor, and it, it just it, it boggles my mind. It really does. Well, and for them to make it legal, at first I was kind of opposed to it, but now I'm kind of hoping that maybe that will take some of it out of there. Um, yeah. But by the same token, they made um, and this year again, um, our governor signed into law the no helmet law, and what that is is if you ride a motorcycle or a any kind of, you know, moped, those kind of things. You no longer, it's not required for you to wear a helmet. Now, at first I was opposed to that. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute. You know, this is a safety issue. Oh, that, that should be the law. You need to wear a helmet. But I hate loud motorcycles. They're worse than fireworks. Because you get these idiots that pull up at a light. You've got your windows, especially right now. It's, it's extremely hot. We're having a massive heat wave. Um... All the grass around us is brown. I mean, it's just, it's really, yeah. really bad. Our, all the lakes are way down. The rivers are just streams at this point. Um, you get these guys pulling up to the to the light, and he has no semblance of an exhaust, or muffler, I should say. And he's sitting there going, rah, 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 sitting there revving his engine. And they should replace the exhaust with a little button that just says, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at yeah. me. Because that's all he's doing, right? 
And I hate it. I can't even hear my radio, and I've got my windows up. I'm glaring at this guy, and of course he's oblivious to everything, because he thinks people are looking at him because everyone thinks he's cool. No, everyone thinks you're an idiot. <laughs> so, so I started thinking, maybe a no-helmet law is a good thing. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> maybe it'll weed out the worst idiots, is that what you're saying? I'm just saying maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean... I have amused myself this week by by watching firework fail videos. Yeah, and there's been quite you know this is this is a positive impact on the technology on firework idiots is that you can see YouTube videos of people doing some really stupid things with big fireworks, and um, it kind of you know it it, <laughs> it kind of if that sort of thing winds you up, it kind of makes you feel well you know there's there's a bit of a karma going on in that the more stupid you are the more likely you are to injure yourself and maybe that will learn some of these people well you know they had a a, a term for this in nature david and it doesn't seem to apply it hasn't applied to humans in a long time and i think we're starting to balance the scales nature's starting to catch up with us and we're going to start weeding out those who should not be among us <laughs> That'd be da- Darwin. The, there was a Darwin Awards. They they call it the people who are too stupid to survive to procreate. Well, natural selection. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, let let's give some of the the. I don't want to say freedom, but for lack of a better term, let's let them do what they want to do. Let's get rid of some of these laws that protect idiots from themselves, and natural selection will. We'll take court. We'll you know yeah. take over. The, we'll the, the problem is, is for for every idiot who kills himself on a motorbike, there'll be another one who, while doing it, takes somebody else completely innocent out as well. That's that's the problem. Yeah, I know. You know, it's that's the sad part. Um, let's talk about feedback real quick because it's the week of the uh, the Peters. We got two <laughs> yeah. feedback, and they're both from someone named Peter. The first one is Peter Bird. And he writes, uh, hello, Tim and David. I think what is happening to Rim is a clear example of a company who took their eye off the ball. So I hope Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Google are paying attention so it doesn't happen to them. Imagine how, bit it w- how bad it would be if they all went the way Rim seems to be going. As for the Apple podcasting app, I've been playing with it. Uh, I have I have been playing with it. Have Downcaster. Um, which at the moment is better, but I know a lot of people who will find the Apple one easier than Downcast. But I suppose that's the way, uh, that's what it's there for. What? Suppose it's what they're used to. Okay. Sorry. It's me. It's been a long day. Uh, I had an investor meeting this morning on Skype, and it just didn't work. I hate well, Skype. Well, Skype didn't work. No. It kept crashing. I crashed on us three times before we got started with this as well. So yeah, I think uh, I think Peter's right. It some of it is Rim took the eye off the ball, but I think more a more apt description is they didn't know where the ball was anymore. Well, to be I mean after we recorded last week, um, their CEO who replaced the two idiot CEOs who jointly kind of got them into his position made a statement last week saying he doesn't think there's a problem 
he said uh, we've got we've got plenty of cash in the bank um, we're developing a new product yes it's going to be a little bit later than we wanted but you know what it's all going to be fine that was pretty much what he said and at that, I read this and I thought, at that point I, I did two things first of all I thought to myself oh if I was a RIM stockholder right now I'd be calling my broker and saying sell 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 uh, and secondly I strolled over to a colleague and said we need to do a press release on this because from a professional point of view as a telecoms and IT consultant I can't recommend to any of my clients that they um, they choose RIM as their strategic internal platform at this point. You know, if you're a company that's got 2,000 Blackberries deployed and you rely on that for email, your internal business email, the problem is, is if the RIM goes out of business, that stops working because all the email goes through their network operation center. And I'd be hugely concerned at this point hearing the CEO going, oh, no, it's all fine. <laughs> well, you know, they, they just had a pretty big recent outage and uh you, you businesses can't do that you cannot have your communications go down we lost internet in one of our store last or actually this week and it was devastating there we could do about five percent of our job yeah and you know if you're relying on email and which company doesn't and you're relying on rim yeah i i gotta agree with you david that would be yeah. i couldn't recommend that to anybody no and but to get to, to Peter's point, I don't think that's, that they're taking the eye off the ball. They don't know what the ball is anymore. It's such a no. moving target that, it, honestly, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like they're fumbling and stumbling and they have no clue. Well, let's face it. It's only been the last probably 12, 18 months that anybody's come up with something that's as good as the iPhone but different. And that will be the Windows mobiles, the Windows Phone stuff. Um, obviously, it's not selling the way the iPhone is, but at least it's a different take on the same uh, approach. Uh, Android is basically is an iPhone clone, um, and RIM is still doing the same thing they were doing five years ago. You know, so, the the Verge, which is a really good website. I hope you're you're reading that, David. Yeah, they've got a uh, article up there, an opinion piece, and I'll put a link in the show notes at techfanpodcast.com as well as mymac.com. Um, it says, five years after the iPhone, carriers are the biggest threat to innov- in innovation. And very well written. Who wrote this, by the way? I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Nile Patel. It's a really good written piece. It's not too long. I guess it is a little long. Um, and they've got an embedded video of Steve Jobs talking about the carriers from 2005's D3 conference. And... Yeah, it's uh, and which is kind of funny because obviously the iPhone is still two years away at that point. Yeah, um, but I think that I think it hits it right on the head. To be honest, they are an incredibly, at least in the United States, they are an incredibly huge burden and hindrance to innovation. And uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon because they're well, all they're doing is trying to hold on to a business model that's been antiquated. By new technology and they do not want to become dumb pipes but that's exactly what's going to happen and i think that the first cell phone carriers who recognize that and respond accordingly i.e embrace the dumb pipe notion lowers their rates and uh allows care allows allows the phone manufacturers themselves the apples the lgs the motorola's the googles my whatever 
allows them to innovate however they want in the devices, I think that company will position themselves to be the biggest carrier out there. Because people yeah. want to pay less money, but if you get 50% of the market, even at half the revenue, than you were making before, that's you're still going to do extremely well. So See, yeah, see I think the problem that, that these companies face is that they are... We've talked about before about how badly they treat their customers, and, and I think still pervasive within many of these companies is an attitude that, that customers are the enemy. Yep. You know, they like their money, but they don't like actually dealing with them, uh, and they don't like responding to them. And they talk a lot about, oh, yeah, our customers are our business, and we're customer-centric and everything, but many of them really aren't. You know, their attitude is, oh, the customers are paying them, pain in my neck. And then you see the business moves they make. And, of course, the, that, that attitude permeates those business moves. And the carriers are a prime example. They've tried to capitalize on their position by adding, and I'm, I've gone doing the air quotes here, adding value. Yep. Yeah, and they add that value by basically forcing, using the fact that, that they are a pipe to force stuff onto customers that customers haven't asked for. Yeah. You know, extra services, um, content blocks, um, caps to, uh, you know, bandwidth caps to give everyone a better experience, they say. And you know, crushing uh, any kind of innovation in the cell phone well, hands, of course, yeah. the market. Yeah. I mean, they, really what they want is they want, they don't want to be pipes, but what they do want is they want to homogenize what they take off the customer. They want to push down the, the as much as possible the, the value of what they get. And then when they want to uh, put something new in to try and make themselves appear innovative, they want to either force it on everyone or they want to charge customers extra for those things. So they put a, a bandwidth cap on everyone. They say, oh, don't worry. If you don't want the bandwidth cap, that's fine. Just pay us an extra $10 a month or an extra $20 a month. And then you can have unlimited. And everyone goes, hang on a minute. I thought I already had unlimited. Oh, yes, but that's... That's our version of unlimited. That's not what you thought unlimited is. It's uh, a sad state of affairs, no question about it. Last feedback. This is Peter from Germany. And he says, uh, enjoy your podcast a lot. I used to buy st a lot of stuff from Amazon. So I would like to support you by using the Amazon logo on your site. Because I live in Germany and use the German Amazon store, I wonder if you also get a bonus if I shop outside the U.S. store. With the link, I get transferred to the U.S. Amazon store. Then I get a message that this is not my local store and would I like to shop in the German store. If I click the link, I end up in the German store. But from the URL, I would suspect that I lost a reference to the MyMac and, and TechFan Podcast site, and you would not benefit. Uh, does this also work for shopping outside the U.S.? Is there another link possibility? And the uh, thanks very much, by the way, Peter, for... Uh, Trying to support the show and the sites. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> we get nothing from people outside the U.S., which means all of our U.K. listeners, which Peter Bird is one, by the way, David. I didn't know if you yeah. knew that. No, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it only works for the, the U.S. customers. but So the associates, the associates, I mean, those, those links are affiliate links using yes. the Amazon Associates program. So that is country-specific. Yes. Is it? Right. Yep. And there's no way to that I've found anyways. Maybe there is. Um, let's not rule out the possibility that I'm just stupid. Um, there's no way to to make it go to whatever your local store is in your country. So 
Yeah, I just it just doesn't work that way. And I think that that's kind of a in in a broader sense, David, that's a problem with the internet nowadays where it still discriminates on where you live. And the internet is supposed to be kind of the the great equalizer and that it shouldn't matter where you live, but it does. I, I guess the only way you could actually deal with that would be to set up an account, associates account in each country, um, and then and then give people the appropriate link. But of course, then um, somebody would have to say, "Oh, I'm in the UK. I need to click on uh, click on the uh, Tech Fan UK link in order to support," which would be yeah. kind of ridiculous, really. And then you'd have a problem about getting paid because you get paid in, you know euros and pounds and that sort of thing um i mean i mean for i can't do anything about germany peter i'm sorry but um for uk uh for uk customers who want to support tech fan um i have an affiliate account i can create some links and then if anybody wants to buy stuff from amazon and kick it back to tech fan i can i can give you those links that's no problem at all but obviously um it's difficult for us to put that on the tech fan site because then it will confuse people and we don't want to confuse people no absolutely not it is what it is it's you know hopefully these kind of draconian uh, laws about internet commerce will go away um but you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's about I, I don't, I don't, I don't see them going away anytime soon. The problem no. is, it's that, of course, you know, every law, every country has its own laws about tax and revenue and value-added tax and income tax and operational tax and everything. Yeah, but is a big different. company like like Amazon, that would be no problem to them. It really well, wouldn't. I think the way that it depends how they're structured, but obviously Amazon is structured as country in country silos because they're actually delivering physical products to people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess for the affiliate program they could probably figure out a way to do it, but uh I I imagine for the moment there's there's not not a huge amount of demand for them to no, do that. No, but so. I was talking about more of the the broader scope of internet democracy and in that if I want to watch something that's on the BBC I can't because I live in the United States. If you yeah. want to watch Netflix, you can't because you live in the UK. Yeah. Um, th- that's more of what I was getting at, that it, it doesn't make sense in today's day and age where we have the technology to put these arbitrary limitations in place simply because of country of origin. But here's the problem, though. Um, the uh, recently struck down ACTA uh, trade agreement was an attempt to try and, and do that. But it got hijacked by content providers who wanted to put all sorts of anti-piracy and uh, DRM-related legislation into it. And it, it became a, a real threat to freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And that's why it ended up being opposed. So we kind of lost the potential benefits of that of a much more globalized market because, um, again, going – and this can become a theme for this show, I think – going back to those old business models that uh, companies are trying to maintain. I'm going to type old models. That's the name of this, this episode. I have fun finding a show graphics for old models. Old models, yeah. Yes. I, I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I, I, You know, it's not the fact that someone tried to put all these writers on the bill and it got opposition, David. That's That's not the issue. The issue is that the general population wasn't informed of these bills. And and we weren't educated enough. And I think a lot of that goes to the very sorry state 
of journalism that we have in the on a worldwide basis now that we should be informed on these things and we're simply not yeah well i mean we get trust me i'm getting day by day information on the various legal documents going between katie holmes and tom cruise that's my um, point there's no shortage of information telling me exactly what's going on there. Yep. But a trade agreement that potentially could take away my rights and um, allow US, um, US content companies to say whether I can watch a DVD or rip a DVD or something like that, nobody's interested. Well, here's the problem, David. Half the population are highly intelligent people like us who wants the access to that information, but we have to hunt and peck and find it. And because we're highly intelligent, we work and we make a good living, and we don't have time to do that, right? Yeah. The other half of the population are, well, stupid. And they like pretty faces like Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise, and that's what interests them because, let's be honest, they're simpletons. And they're like, oh, you're getting oh, pretty people. I go like go firework now. Um, <laughs> you do realize you're going to get email from a college professor who is also a big fan of the e-network, don't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> for, there's an exception. Let's just say there's an exception to every rule for anyone who's sure. insulted by Tim Robertson's last statement. But you should have to hunt and peck for the celebrity gossip stuff. You're and you shouldn't right. have to hunt and peck for the information that we actually need that would yeah. enrich our lives. And I think the problem is the the people at the networks, at the news organizations, think that the vast majority of people are more interested in the time cruise. So they push that. They don't push the other. And they say, look, this is what people want because look at everyone. This is what people are talking about. Well, of yeah. course, it's what people are talking about. It's because that's all you're publishing. <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, let's take our first break, David. Uh, it's probably going to be our only break because we're running very short on time. We had to get a late start today. And uh, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about Facebook. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast. And I'm here with that big yank tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. <laughs> well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. So what's going on with your favorite site out there, Facebook, David? Ah, <laughs> dear. This, again, as I said, this well, old models is the theme of the show. What's interesting about Facebook is it's a new model that's becoming an old model. Um, you're seeing this with Twitter as well. These are companies that have sprung up out of the tech revolution. They're relatively young, and they've gotten big very quickly. And all of a sudden, they go from being kind of the new kid startup who's disruptive and showing all the old guys how it's done to somebody who's a big corporation who's just trying to make money and all of a sudden kind of that that feel about what they should do and how they should do it and how they treat their customers again 
kind of goes out the window to uh, to feed the corporate dime. And Facebook, I'm afraid, have done it again the last couple of weeks. Now, now, I, I, as I say, I don't, as you well know, I'm not a big or a really at all a Facebook user, so I don't understand the exact in and outs of this as a, as how it applies to the Facebook site. But what I understand is that Facebook decided to give everyone a Facebook.com email address and then push that out. So that became the default address to everyone on the site. So that basically meant that if you had a contact list on Facebook that had somebody's regular email address in and they were also a Facebook user, then uh, Facebook kind of hid that data and replaced it with this new Facebook.com address. And what this ended up doing is all of a sudden people who were emailing stuff around to each other on Facebook found that it disappeared from their regular email accounts and, and became kind of a Facebook-only thing without anybody having any idea why it happened or what was going on, what was going on. And, you know, a typical Facebook situation is that, you know, somewhere in, on page 43 of setting tab 22, there's a tick box that if you tick it, will actually turn this off. Um, but they, they pushed it out without telling anyone, and, and it caused a lot of upset because people had no idea what was going on. And I think, again, it does typify the view that, you know, to Facebook, its user community are not a community now. They are a commodity to be manipulated as it sees fit. I mean, it's tried to roll it back now, but apparently the damage is already done and uh, there's a lot of upset over it. Here's the thing about... I understand that there's a lot of people that get a little upset about this, but it's not the average Facebook user. Uh, the average Facebook user, if they're sending messages through Facebook, it's through the chat or the Facebook messaging system. It's not going through email at all. Mm-hmm. Um Anybody that was trying to email somebody out through their Facebook account, I don't know anybody who does that. I honestly don't. Uh, I've had a Facebook email account forever. I've never set it up. And I think I checked it about a month ago. I've never received a message there. It's, uh, I, it's just kind of a non-starter to me. I mean, I understand well, that it, it could be an issue to some people, but... I don't. I don't really get it in the fact that that's not how Facebook is even used. I understand that they would love it to be used that way. That it becomes your email program as well. But, but I, I think I think this was the nub of the problem was that um, the, the change they made made it more likely that you would inadvertently start using Facebook for email messaging, and people weren't aware that that's what was happening. Hmm. You know, I mean, it was, I believe it was things like, you know, if you had the iOS client and you went to email a link out of the Facebook iOS client, ordinarily that would go uh, show as coming from your uh, iOS email client. Yeah, it could be an issue there. With this change, all of a sudden it became a Facebook.com address and people had no idea. I I, I mean, like all things Facebook, it's not what they did, it's how they did it. If they'd have, you know, put a big red flag up for two months saying, this change is happening, be aware of it. Uh, make sure you accommodate it. Make sure you understand what it means. Make sure you're happy with it. And make sure you opt out of it if you don't want to for two months before they implemented it. I don't think anybody would have had a problem. But the problem is they don't do that. What they do is they just change it and then kind of, you know, hope that it doesn't cause a furor. If it does, then they roll it back. And if it doesn't, they go happy days. And that, what's the next thing we're doing? And that's... 
that's the mentality that I'm complaining about. It's not so much what they do; it's the it's the underhand way they push it out. And then when it when people complain, they hold up their hands and go, "Oh, I'm so sorry. We never thought of that." Please, really? Hmm. I don't know. And and, and what's interesting to me is, as I say, this dichotomy from somebody who's a startup who was disruptive, all of a sudden becoming, you know, the big corporate bad guy in the space of three, four years. It, it amazes me. Twitter are going the same way. Twitter have made some changes in the last week. They announced that they're going to restrict more of what you can do with their API so that if you have an independent Twitter client, um, that it's going to be more restricted about what it can do. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to push people towards the Twitter website and their own... Um, officially endorsed uh, Twitter-provided clients. And the reason they want to do that is because presumably they're going to start serving monetizing content through those those things, and they don't want uncontrolled parties not, not being able to do that. Now, again, you know, Twitter was the, uh, you know, the plucky startup who was, who was, you know, bringing social media to the masses and showing how, um, you know, uh, journalistic and uh, paywall corporatization of the internet wasn't a good thing and now here they are a few years later doing the same thing I think the problem with Twitter and it's a pretty simple one is they have zero business model you know a lot of companies tried to buy them and they refused every time and they're not making any money <laughs> and, and they have to or they're going to go bye bye that, well, I, look, I understand that. I understand they've got to make money, right? I, I, I love Twitter. I use it all the time, and I'd hate to see it go away. I'd hate to see it go under. And I'm quite prepared as a Twitter user to work within um, something that allows them to monetize me. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is is if they turn around and say, well, it's only got to be through our website or our um, clients – then, then, then I do have a problem with it. It's a case of, well, look, I'm quite happy to, to participate in your system and that's your opportunity to monetize me, but don't start telling me I can only do it this way or that way when I've already got something which I'm very happy with and which a, a lot of people have put a lot of investment and time in. And I would argue that the proliferation of third-party Twitter clients is one of the things that's made the, the thing so popular in the first place. So don't no cut question. those guys... Yeah, don't cut those guys out in your monetization plans. Figure it out. You know, don't don't just yeah, don't just say oh, okay. Well, we're going to do ads now, and we can only serve ads through our website. So uh, yeah, thanks very much for getting us here, guys. But uh, on your bike now. Yeah, that's. I can see why some people would be upset about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I don't use it as much as I used to. That's because you're wrong. <laughs> I, it's, I don't know what it is. I, I, Twitter bores me, to be honest. You know, I jump on and I start scrolling down the list and I'm like, meh, meh, meh. And then I just get off. You know, I get maybe two page refreshes tops and then I'm just not finding any content worthwhile. So I just but move on. It, uh, but then it, are, you, are you looking at who you follow mm-hmm. on a regular basis and changing who you follow on a regular basis because i don't get me wrong I, i'd appreciate the problem if you know if you follow a certain group of people some people just i mean i'm a, i'm a good example sometimes i tweet a lot sometimes i don't tweet very much for a few weeks sometimes 
the stuff I tweet about is probably interesting to our audience, and I'm sure there are plenty of times when, when it isn't. I, I remember an incident a couple of years ago where I was, um, I was watching the Eurovision Song Contest, which uh, you know is an entertaining thing for those of us who, who live outside the US, and I was commenting on every single act on Twitter in a, in a attempting to be humorous about it. And I started getting tweets from people in the US going, you know, have you, are you on acid? Because, <laughs> of course, outside of the context, they had no idea what it was on about. So Twitter can be like that. I, I do appreciate that. But, you know, for, it works for some people, it doesn't work for others. Yeah. I don't know. I, I keep wanting to get back into it. I, it seemed that I was into it for a while. You know what I think it is, David? You cannot have a really good conversation on Twitter. Like on Facebook, you can have the comments underneath, and that it's so much easier to follow a conversation that way. Or you can be emailing someone, and it's so much easier to have a conversation that way. But on Twitter, they don't make it easy to follow a conversation. They don't. And, and I think um, Twitter is definitely much more about... I, I agree with you. It's, it's terrible for conversations, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, in, which, in, which much- case, in which case, it's just a quick blah, and then you're gone. Yeah, yeah I'm well, not so that, much on that. That's, that's kind of what it is. It's it's kind of you know this is what I think, and put it out there uh, in 140 characters, uh, and um, you know that doesn't appeal to all sorts of people, or doesn't appeal to all sorts of people at the same t- at the same time. Google Plus is kind of like Twitter, but with that problem fixed because there's a lot more space for those conversations. But I just can't, I can't get much out of Google Plus, and I can't deal with more than two or three of these things at one time. Yeah, and I think that's the issue. We need a yeah. Google Plus that's easier than Google Plus, and that's not called Google Plus. And, well, uh, and, it, and it's more, it's a combination of Facebook slash Twitter, not run by an evil corporation. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, to be honest with you, I, th- I think, I mean, we talked about Twitter monetization. That's probably their solution. If they expanded their platform so they, you know, they breached the 140 character limit and turned it something that was more like Google Plus but with the same Twitter followers, and then they they put an ad API around that as well, or maybe a subscription service, um, so that if you wanted to access that that additional level of conversation, you paid a, a nominal fee every month. Job done, I'd reckon. I think it might work. I don't know. I think a lot of people like Twitter the way it is, but then again, yeah, but you could you could still keep it the way it is. You could you again you could make it opt in. Yeah, I would like it a lot better if if that option was available. Yeah, but Twitter so, spam is becoming an issue. Oh yeah, it's terrible. And uh, you know, I, I unfollow people every time I get on there. I unfollow people all the time. Yeah, yeah. There are some keywords that. Turn the bots on. Oh, absolutely. I could say something about, wow, I forgot to refinance my house like I wanted to when the rates were low, and I'll get 50 messages aimed at me about, hey, if you're interested in financing your house. It's like, ugh, really? If if they could control that, then they might have something. Well, yeah, you hope that that one day... um you know, if they are making money, that they'll be able to invest more resources into into policing it a little bit better. But here's the other thing, and, and how come only Wikipedia has kind of got this down? Because Wikipedia is like a public service. 
it's funded, it's donation funded, it's like NPR or the BBC or something like that. It's funded by contributions from a source, and then it's there for the good of the good of the internet, the good of the universe, something like that. Why can't more of these social media services be set up that in, under that model? Where they're profitable, they're profitable to grow and invest and you know, make what they need to do, but they don't have to be fully monetized, and they're actually there as a, a public service just for the general good. Why can't we have a system like that for social media rather than something that ultimately turns into a, a you know a publicly floated IPO money making machine? I agree with you, and in fact, if you look at a, a site like Kickstarter, they're doing that for business now. Why not? for conversation yeah you would think that would make even more sense more people would does, be interested now kickstarter does kickstarter take a cut i mean is it is i it, don't is know it, how it works is to be it honest. profit making i don't know i i really don't know i would imagine they must make something why would why, why would, would they do, do it otherwise well, i mean unless again it is for the public public interest but it, you know, however it however these things start they need to be funded the, I mean, Kickstarter needed kickstarting at some point. That's right, didn't it? You know, <laughs> maybe that's so, how they got. Maybe they made so much money on their kickstarting that they. This is what they do, and they made their money. Could be. Know. Could be. Well, David, we're going to wrap up early this week. Uh, as I said, we got a late start. The wife is going to be home. It's the day before my youngest daughter's birthday. Yes, they were born a week apart. Um, a week apart. Is- a week and uh, what is it? A week and uh, nine years apart. So yeah, you've got a busy social schedule at the moment. Yeah. Did I tell you about the uh, MacBook Pro that I gave my daughter? You used. I think you mentioned you were going to last week. But yeah, yeah, I gave it to her. So how did, how did she like it? Uh, right up to the point where she started using it, it was great. <laughs> got a got a bad MacBook Pro. Already, oh, already replaced the the logic board, and that didn't fix the problem. So it's a combination of logic board screen, and uh, wow. I, yeah, it's really rare that you get a lemon right out of the box for any product. So really. this was a brand new one. Brand new. She was the first person to open it. So uh, I mean, you say the logic board and the screen's been changed. I mean, can't well, it just the, be- the logic board. They thought it was a logic board. They replaced the logic board because it was testing bad. They replaced that. And that didn't fix the uh, all of the problems. So it looks like the screen has to be replaced as well. Well, can't they just give her a new one? Well, we bought it at my store, and it was the last, the top of the line, last ah, generation. Right, I see. The only okay, ones so I've it, got are the current generation ones. I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it's an open yep. box, so we could fix it and resell it. But now it's an open box, and yes, yep. I should have just got the most current generation. But who knew? If I'd have well, done that, I would have just I would have just swapped it out and got her another yeah. one. But I'll find well, so out this it, next week what's going on with it, and if it's if it's bad and it's then I'm just going to grab another one. Yeah, but it's always disappointing when that happens. It but. is. You think you're you're super dad, and then it's like, ugh. Well, this gift I gave you, yeah, you can't have it for a couple of weeks. Uh, so that is disappointing, it but is. I'm, I'm sure we'll get there in the end. It will. It will. I, I you know I'm, I'm confident. Yeah, and and let's face it, if you bought her a, a a Windows PC, then you'd be kind of out of luck. Yeah, big time. So if you guys want to send us feedback, we'd really appreciate it. Simply go up to techfanpodcast.com, click the Contact Us button. It's at the top of the page right underneath the logo. Fill out that little form, click Send, and it will come directly to David and I. 
and we'll read your comments right here on the show. David, thanks very much for being here this week. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to all of you next week. Same time, same place, same app. Well, maybe not the same app. You could you could be using a number of different apps at this point. Maybe you're listening to it on the red web like John Nemo likes to do. Do you know that? He likes to listen to it on our webpage. I did not know that. There you go. Learn something new every day. Bye, David. Bye.